Hello, and welcome to Unabridged, the weekly podcast where teachers take on books. This is Sarah. Join us for bookish episodes and a monthly book club pick. This is Ashley. Find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Unabridged Pod, or go to our website, unabridgedpod.com, where the books we read are linked for purchase. This is Jen. Check out our Teachers Pay Teachers store, our Patreon page, and our newsletter. Please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts to support us. You want opinions about books? We've got them. Hi, and welcome to Unabridged. This is episode 157, and this is our second Patreon preview today. We are sharing an unabridged, uncensored episode. So before we get started, I just want to remind you that we have some great content on our website, unabridgedpod.com. We are posting on the blog almost every day. On Mondays, we have Bookish Faves, where we share curated lists of things that we put together for you. On Tuesdays, we have Pub Day Shoutouts, where we highlight some books that we're excited to celebrate. Wednesdays, we have our show notes. And then on Fridays, we have book reviews. So check that out. And we'd love to hear from you. So we would love for you to comment on each of those posts and to share those posts on your social media. That would be a great help. To start off our episode today, we are going to do our bookish check-in. Ashley, what are you reading? So I am, I went shopping in my Kindle. I had I actually made a list of Kindle books I, sh- I wanted to make it a point to read. This was not on that list, but it was an irresistible start for me. So I chose TJ Klune's the House in the Cerulean Sea. And I just have heard such great things about this book. So like I said, I made this list of, I don't know, eight or 10 books because I've realized that the Kindle, I, I wanted to have a little strategy in what I was choosing on the Kindle. And then this is not on that list at all. And I was like, I'm dying to start with books. <laughs> so I did. And I absolutely love it. It is, I am still pretty early on in it, but Linus, the main character is working in the, he works in a department that he's kind of like a social worker for taking care of children, like checking in on children's living circumstances, but it's for magical children. So he works in the, it's like got an acronym, but it's basically the department of magical children's well-being or something. That's that's paraphrasing. But that's his job. And he's kind of a cog in the machine. That's how he feels. And he does like working with the kids, but he also is approaching midlife and feels he lives by himself with just his cat. And he is just, you know, having some sort of typical feelings of wondering exactly what's what he's doing with his life. And he gets called up to extremely upper management unexpectedly. And it's all very closed door and secretive. And he gets sent on this mission. And so he has kind of overnight to pack up his bags and go on this mission. He does not know anything. He cannot open the envelope that has any of the any of the details until he arrives. So it's just very, there's a lot of just, it's just, it's funny. It's like laugh out loud funny. And it also is endearing. I think that already as a reader, I feel really endeared to Linus and his cat who goes along with him on his journey. (laughs) (laughs) And so it's all just been really interesting, but 
I can tell that. So the journey is going to the house in the Cerulean Sea. And I can tell that whatever is happening in the house is just going to be really fascinating and that the characters are really neat. And so I'm glad. I guess that what drew me to it is that I've seen a lot of people who said they loved it, but also that it just brought them a lot of joy. And I think that's why I started it. And I was immediately captivated by it. So yeah, it's been great so far. So again, that's TJ Clune's The House in the Cerulean Sea. I've seen that everywhere. I want to read that. I have too. I have that one in my Kindle closet. So yeah, maybe I'll pick it up soon. It's exciting. (laughs) Sarah, what are you reading? I am reading a book that you can kind of pop in and out of, and it is Melanie Shankles on the bright side. The subtitle is stories about friendship, love, and being true to yourself. Melanie Shankel, I heard about her from the podcast and she had, she actually has a podcast with uh, Sophie Hudson called the big boo cast. And she also is a, as a popular blogger and her book, she's just really funny. She's a mom and she has dogs and she, she just is really funny and just talks about things that I can relate to because I'm also a mom and, you know, I don't know. I just like it because each of the chapters you can kind of pop in and out and I am not too far in it, but I am really enjoying it. So that is Melanie Shankles on the bright side. That sounds really good. Yeah, it's good. What are you reading, Jen? So I am reading Kevin Van Wise, Date Me Bryson Keller with the Totally Teen Buddy Read on Instagram. And this is, it's been a rough week in my house. And this one is just hitting a great place for me right now. I just needed this kind of warm, it's YA. It's just this warm, sweet story. So Bryson Keller is one of the most popular students at his private school. And Kai Sheridan, who is the protagonist of the story, really admires him and thinks he's just a super nice guy and that he's not one of those kids who's popular because he's mean. He's popular because he's just really kind and decent. So they are standing around one day and everybody's teasing Bryson because he never dates anybody. And they set up this bet where every Monday someone is going to ask him on a date. He can't ask them. Somebody has to ask him on a date and he dates them Monday through Friday. And then as long as he keeps going and every Monday somebody asks to date him and they date him through Friday, he wins. But if he loses, he can't drive his Jeep to school. He has to ride the bus to school every day. And, you know, they set rules like there can't be any touching. Nobody can cross boundaries. They're really careful about it. And so for a a long while, every Monday, a girl, a different girl is asking Bryson Keller out on a date. Well, through a strange series of events, Kai, who is gay, asks Bryson Keller on a date. Kai has not come out as being gay in his school. So this is a big revelation for him. Bryson is the first person he's told And Bryson just handles it in the kindest way possible and says, well, sure, I'll date you. There's no reason we didn't say at the beginning that I had to be a girl. So yeah, I'll date you. And so they start this week of dating and it is just, yeah, it is the sweetest story. I just really like the characters a lot. I think it's so nice 
to see just nice kids and just they're working through a lot of issues. Kai is both self-conscious because he's gay. He's also biracial and he's one of the only students of color at his school. And so he feels as if he's already had to work through that. And he, there are a few gay students at his school. And so even though he feels like most of the adults feel like people aren't picked on for being gay anymore, he sees the way those, those kids are treated sometimes. And he just doesn't want to open himself up to that kind of teasing. And so when Bryson reacts that way, which I guess was a slight spoiler, so I'm sorry for that, but it just really warmed my heart. So I am really loving Kevin Van Wise, Date Me, Bryson Keller. I hadn't heard of that one. That sounds great. When the person who runs the Buddy Reach, we voted on three different choices and I'd never heard of it, but it's it's Van Wise debut novel. And I haven't seen it really anywhere either. So I hope it gets more buzz because I think it's it's just a great read. So. So now we're going to move on to our main segment. This is an episode just with Ashley and Sarah for Unabridged Uncensored on Patreon. And this one is about Gillian Flynn's Gone Girl. So this is a highly controversial read among the podcast hosts <laughs> here. So, so we hope you enjoy the sneak peek at one of our Patreon episodes. Hey, welcome to our very first edition of Unabridged Uncensored. Uh, Ashley, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm Ashley, in case anyone was wondering, and Sarah and I are here today to talk about a book that we have some conflicting opinions about that is a very popular thriller. Yes, I'm so excited to discuss this. <laughs> so... As I'm sure that you're waiting to hear which book we're going to discuss, <laughs> the book I wanted to talk about, which I definitely have an unpopular opinion about, is Gillian Flynn's Gone Girl. Mm. Sarah, do you want to say what you think about this one first? I love this conversation because I think it really depends on when you, kind of your entry point into mm -hmm. reading this. So I read it when it first came out. It was brand new in that kind of uh, shocker thriller, like big twist and, you know, kind of not seeing something coming. And I literally, I adored it. I had it on the seat of my car or my van, minivan, soccer mom. Um, so I had it on the seat of my van and at like stoplights, I would try to read a paragraph because I had to know what was happening and I loved it so much. And I was just absorbed in it. So when I, so it, but that, like I said, it was when it first came out. I mean, it was brand spanking new. So I loved it. Ashley, what, what's your opinion? So Sarah and Jen helped me come up with this one because I was doing, I'm doing the Modern Mrs. Darcy reading challenge this year. And one of the 12 books is a book outside of your normal genre. And I don't read thrillers very often. So both Jen and Sarah were like, you got to read Gone Girl. Like Gone Girl is the one. And it, it you know, and I mean, it what for sure, it was a, a gateway into a totally different type of thriller. And so because of that, I, and Jen had it, invariably, I'm always borrowing Jen's books. So, <laughs> so this is another problem. We can talk about that one another day. Um, but anyway, I had that one from her and I was like, yeah, I'll do it. And I mean, I hated it. I 
hated it. I hated the whole experience. And I think the worst part is that it went on for me forever. And like, if there is something that is supposed to happen with a thriller, it is that it, you are supposed to read it fast. And that's the whole thing. Is it just like Sarah said, like that you are at the stoplight desperately reading the next page. That's what I needed right now. Like I needed some momentum and this was not it. It's, I mean, I stretched it out for weeks. I, I was wanting to go back and good reason, try to figure out exactly how long I read that book. Way too long. The answer is way too long. So <laughs> I don't even need the reggae horns. Like, beep, 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 beep. <laughs> I mean, I just was like, okay, this is totally torturous. I have to finish this book. I don't want to have to read another one. But it just was a bust for me. But I think that what you said, Sarah, is is absolutely right. That it is about entry point, and that a big problem for me is that I knew from the start that this huge twist was going to happen. And I just, so then my calculating brain is spending every single ounce of energy. Instead of thinking about the book, I'm thinking about what the twist is. And because of that, I full well knew what the twist was before it happened. And that was a big disappointment because I would just, I mean, I don't know, by page hundred or something, I was like, I know that she is not dead and that mm-hmm. she is the one doing all this because it was clear because, because there had to be a twist it had to be big. And I knew for a fact that that meant Nick was not the killer. And mm-hmm. because of that, you had to, you know, I'm like I said, I mean, all my energy and all my brain power, instead of enjoying the story, was devoted to solving this, solving well, this thing and being like, what exactly happened? And then when that is exactly what happened, it was a big disappointment. I, I can definitely see that because like this was kind of the start of that whole shocking twist thing like this is the book that started the whole genre basically of that and I I did not I had no clue like I was like oh this is like a suspense book and I'm like reading and I'm gonna figure it out and I remember when I flipped that page and I was like what the what I mean wait what is happening and I I just remember that whole thing however I will say I loved Gone Girl when I read it but since I have read more in the genre now I'm the exact same way I'm like okay let's get to it what's gonna happen what's gonna happen and I mean like it really takes a really well written well paced thriller for me to say that I like it because I just I'm always disappointed because they can't because that moment in Gone Girl when I realized that Amy was still alive and I I think this is also the book that made me realize that I could I could get behind a book and I could really like a book even if I didn't like many of the characters at all. And I also realized how much I liked an unreliable narrator. But again, like that was one of the, I mean, like that is like a cultural, pop cultural touchstone in like the book world is that whole thing about unreliable narrators, unlikable characters, and still, still being with a book through the end. And so like all of that, I loved, but now when I'm trying to read, I'm like you, it is really difficult for me to find a thriller that grabs me. Yeah, I just, and I mean, I think the unlikable characters thing is a big part of it. It's like, I hated both of them. I hated them from the beginning. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like that is really hard because I've talked before on on our episodes about how 
it's just really hard for me to be in it for unlikable characters. And again, if I were going super, super fast, I think it would have been different, but it did not mm-hmm. feel fast. I felt like it was work. And uh, and meanwhile, I am obsessively calculating exactly what is going to happen. And so I feel like a lot of that, you know, kind of took away some of the fun. I will say the one time I was legitimately surprised or at least did not fully play it all out ahead of time in my mind was what she did with, I can't remember the other dude's name, but what, you know, again, this was not my favorite, but where, where she you weren't murdered, taking copious notes. I was not taking copious notes, but the, you know, where she, she murdered the guy to escape and, you know, and did, I mean, all the same manipulations, that she did for so many of other people in the history of her life. And so I felt like that was really fascinating. And I did like that part and I was surprised. And so then I felt like in that, how that all played out, I could see how other people, if you felt that way throughout the book, how that would be really satisfying. But I mean, that was like the only moment where I was like, Oh, this is interesting. Um, And I think that the other thing, I think if this, and this is a big part, I think of thrillers too is if the end is satisfying, then I feel like you wind up with this really good feeling about the book. And Mm -hmm. I hated, hated (laughs) the end so badly because I just, I mean, she, she won. She totally won. She had all the cards. She totally won. And I felt like not only did I hate it because I didn't want her to win, because even though I didn't like Nick, I obviously liked him better than his (laughs) sociopath wife. So both of them are bad, but he is like less bad and I don't want, yeah. And I just didn't want her to be able to play the game forever. And it was definitely this idea. And I mean, to play the game by having a child who they're going to bring into the world. I mean, I think that, yeah, Yeah. just like sick. I don't mean, I was like, oh my gosh, this, like I have sludged through this thing and here we are. (laughs) And this is the end. I mean, I hated it. (laughs) Tell us how you really feel, Ashley. I think I'm going to like these uncensored ones. I hope yeah. that's not. They're going to be cathartic. <laughs> but it, it is hard, I think, to say how you really feel about stuff, and especially in a situation like this where I know this one was wildly popular and people loved it. And I'm sure that no one wanted her to win in the end. I mean, that's not really the point. You know, nobody mm-hmm. wanted her to be able to continue to manipulate people in the way that she had or to have that kind of hold over Nick. And yet people liked it. So, yeah. 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 I I mean, I, yeah. I I mean, I think, I think one, it's nice to have this space where we can talk a little bit more freely about our feelings because I mean, there, there is a, there is some pressure not to totally, you know, annihilate a book because, because a lot of times you can, you can see the value in what it is, even if it was not for you. But right. I do, but I remember when I read Gone Girl, I just thought like some of the ways and the phrasing that Gillian Flynn used to describe some of the characters, especially the guy that we can't remember his name. I know that Neil Patrick Harris played him in the movie. <laughs> but <laughs> I love him. I didn't realize, I, for, I forgot this is a movie. I'll have to look for it. Maybe. Yeah. Don't no, I did not. So I mean, maybe we need to do a book to movie adaptation episode on that one, because I thought that the movie made Nick a much more sympathetic character than he was in the book. Uh And so I thought that was interesting. Yeah. But um, anyway, I remember the description of that guy's mother in the book. Like, I still remember some of the phrasing she used to describe Mm -hmm. them that just really stuck with me. So, like, I think that, too, like, sometimes... 
sometimes thrillers are not necessarily the most well-written book. They are more plot driven and like trying to get the, the reader through. And right. I think that she has a talent for the turn, for a turn of a phrase from really good writing. And also the, just the, the imagination that took to create that because it hadn't been created before. Cause it's right. easily, it's easy to create a, be the person who creates the formula or not easy, but it's easy to follow a formula that someone else has created, but she created it. Yeah. And I mean, I just remember thinking about like when I found it, when I realized that Amy was still alive and being like, Oh my gosh, all these things, like, it was like that moment in The Sixth Sense, if you've ever seen that movie yeah. by M. Night Shyamalan. I mean, it was that same moment where I'm like, what? Wait a minute. I mean, it's just that whole thing. Like, you're just like, it's totally, it's like your vision goes blurry and you have to snap everything back into place in yeah. a different way. And I just, I love yeah. that when I read it the first time. Yes. And I think I agree with you about unreliable narrators and how satisfying that can be, especially when you don't see it coming. Because I think yeah. that it just shows how dependent we are on understanding truth through someone's perspective. Yeah. And that that is really assaulting and sometimes can feel very satisfying for a reader yeah. when you're like, oh my gosh, everything I thought I understood about the world is different than what I you know, than what I perceive, like everything I thought I understood is not how it really is. And that, that is, I mean, it's like the matrix. It's like six cents. Yeah. I mean, it's this idea that like there is a veil and you've been in this veiled understanding. And then all of a sudden you're like, Oh, everything I thought I knew isn't the way it is. And I think that again, if I hadn't known about gone girl, it would have been totally different, but there's no way at this point, because it was so iconic there's no way that I wouldn't know, you know, that there was something big to look for. But I mean, that's, I mean, regardless, I agree that like her, painting of the characters is really remarkable mm -hmm. and the way that she I mean just the the how meticulous Amy is to set everything up that she could get away with it and I think yeah. that that part is very convincing that she is so strategic about how and diabolical and so determined to destroy him and that she's smart enough to do it and I do yeah. think so I mean I talked about that some on Instagram when I was reading it that even though I this book reminded me that thrillers are not for me. <laughs> I did really appreciate all the commentary about women in society and the pressure on them. And like, I love, there was, there was so much commentary about, like I had a quote that I pulled about the tampon commercials and the, and the cleaning and that all women yes. do is bleed and clean. And I just think, you know, that I, I felt like all that stuff about the media and the way that it infiltrates women's perceptions of themselves and how that can make them feel that they have to be a certain way. And I mean, I, I thought all that was really brilliant. Like where Amy was trying to be the fun girl that everybody wants her to be. And that in a lot of ways, like her desire to be the fun one and to make everybody happy and all that stuff is a lot of what kind of destroyed her well-being. basically. Yeah. And so, I mean, I felt like all of that was really fascinating. So, I mean, all that to say, as much as I hated it, I still would probably read another Gillian Flynn book <laughs> <laughs> because I do think that she is a brilliant writer and that a lot of times that is what I get frustrated with with the thriller is it's hard for me to look past what is often kind of clunky. Um, or just not very convincing. I mean, I think everything in this one was really convincing. So, And she does a, such a good, I think it's what you said about the characters, because she does such a good job of set, setting up Amy as this extremely intelligent, extremely smart and calculating person. And so by the end, you think, yeah, she probably could, could do that. And I think that what some of the 
thrillers that have come after Gone Girl have done is they are more focused on the shock factor than than creating this story that's believable. So that's why a lot of times I'm just like, this totally jumped the shark and I'm out. As soon as I read that twist, I'm like, what? You know, because I think that that's the, for me, the key to a great thriller is a thriller that creates this pacing that that then when the big like reveal comes that I'm like, oh, this totally makes sense to the plot of the story and you have surprised me. And that's why it's so hard for me to find a thriller that I really love because I think also that we have grown to have that expectation. And like you said, the whole time you're reading, which I'm sure is why you hated Gone Girl, the whole time you're reading, you're like, okay, you're trying to (laughs) formulate. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it reminded me of like escape rooms or we do breakouts with students where we're always telling them like, don't say what the thing is, you know, because Mm -hmm. once somebody knows then all they then then it takes away the joy of figuring it out for themselves. I think yeah. it was definitely that experience of even though I was like, oh, I did figure it out. It wasn't satisfying because I was so focused on looking for it instead of enjoying. But again, I mean, I do think that I remember somebody posted before I had finished the book, somebody said that they did not love this one because they hated the end, but that they recommend, you know, several people recommended other Gillian Flynn books. And I still think that I would consider reading them because her characters were richly drawn. So even though I hated them and <laughs> there were a lot of things I did not enjoy, I felt like they, you know, like you said, Sarah, I mean, she's a brilliant writer and things are really her, both her phrasing is really amazing. And also her ability to, to create authentic characters who seem real, I think is really impressive. So, well, I think that that wraps up our very first unabridged uncensored episode. Let us know what you think about Gone Girl I can survive if I am still in the um, by myself island of, of my unpopular opinion. It's all right. And thanks for joining us. All right. We hope you enjoyed listening to Ashley and Sarah take on Gone Girl. We would love to know what you think of Gillian Flynn's Gone Girl. So hit us up on social media and share your opinions, please. To end our episode, we are going to finish with a give me one. And today's topic is give me one favorite Christmas movie. Sarah, what is your favorite Christmas movie? So I love all the Christmas movies, shockingly, but well, the ones that I deem Christmas movies, (laughs) (laughs) because I've seen what Jen put down and I feel like she is just trying to provoke me, but my favorite movie is... Chris, well, one of my favorite Christmas movies is Chris, Christmas with the Cranks, which is based on a book called Skipping Christmas, and it stars Tim Allen and Jamie Lee Curtis, and I love them and love it. It's so funny. We will get to my choice in just a minute, <laughs> so everyone can just wait for that. Ashley, what is your choice? So I do not love all the Christmas <laughs> movies. I just don't watch them very often. I mean, I would say... I think there was a point in my life where I was pretty anti the like heartwarming fuzzy stuff. And I'm not that way anymore. I just haven't gotten around to watching them really. Like I do like things that are heartwarming and that feel good and that everything works out. I really enjoy that. And, but I think that I don't watch that many movies anymore. So maybe that's why, but anyway, I I'm like, Oh, maybe I should make some time for that this season. But so I'm not very well versed. I didn't have tons to choose from, but I do love Elf. So I'm going to go with that one. I think it is pretty well known. And I, so I don't need to say a lot about it, but I just think it, it does all the 
you know, I think for me, it, it works because it's really funny and it has music, which I love when I love the singing and all that part. And then it does have the heartwarming stuff too. So it's a good fit for me and I do like it and I could watch it. I also don't love to rewatch things over and over. So I think that's a factor also with Christmas movies. Some people have the ones that they watch every single year and like I get tired of that, but that's one that I could watch yearly and be okay with because I really like it. What about you, Jen? What is your controversial choice here that Sarah was already? I wish you all could see her face, <laughs> listeners. <laughs> they, they do not agree on this. This comes up seasonally. Go ahead, Jen. So my family has two movies <laughs> that we watch every year. And one of them is Elf, which we watch as a whole family. And the other one is one that my husband and I watch, and that is Love Actually. And that is the one Sarah has been trolling me on Instagram this week (laughs) in my DMs about Love Actually because she does not consider it to be a Christmas movie. I really enjoy it. I know that it is controversial. I have read all the essays criticizing it. I may even agree with some of them. I don't care. I love it. So I really, really love it. I love Emma Thompson. I think she is brilliant. It makes me laugh and cry. And I like all the emotions. And so that is my pick. I think it's fine to love it. It's just not a Christmas movie. (laughs) See episode 104 for our debate from last year. (laughs) Before this gets too contentious, we are going to end the episode. I could do that because I'm the host today. And I will just say thank you so much for listening. If you are interested in Patreon, we have some great content in there. You can go to patreon.com slash unabridged pod. Thanks so much. Do you have comments or opinions about what you heard today? We'd love to hear them. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at unabridged pod or on the web at unabridgedpod.com for a list of ways to support us. We'd like to thank Jared Featherstone, who composed our theme music, Strings of Light, and Katie Amy of Amy Photography, our podcast photographer. Thanks for listening to Unabridged.